Today on Abounding Grace, we're remembering our spiritual leaders. We're to remember our pastors. We're to remember our leaders. We're to remember our Sunday school teachers. We're to remember our life group leaders. We're to remember those that have been put in our lives to teach us the word. Why? Because they've been used by God for good in your life. And you can thank God for them. One of the ways you remember them is you pray for them. You can remember them before the throne room of grace. And you thank God, even in and especially when you have to receive a hard word. It's like, I thank God that, he, that, that my pastor said this. I thank God that my pastor, and you remember them before the Lord. This is amazing grace. Well, we're getting close to the end of our verse-by-verse journey through Hebrews on Abounding Grace. We'll meet up with Pastor Ed Taylor in chapter 13 in just a moment. At the end of the epistle, we run across several exhortations and encouragements, and one of them, which we'll look at today, has to do with our relationship to the leaders God has placed in our lives. We can so easily forget about them, so this call to remember them is so needed. Here's Pastor Ed. Take your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Remember, Obey, and Greet Your Spiritual Leaders. Remember, Obey, and Greet. We're going to look at a few different verses in chapter 13. We're going to put them together. First, in verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And then again in verse 24. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints, those from Italy, greet you. And as we come to the end of the book of Hebrews, we're in that section where there are these short exhortations and encouragements given to men and women that are struggling under great warfare, considering leaving the new covenant, going back to Judaism, and they're wrestling. So what does Paul do when he takes his pen in hand? He reminds them of the superiority of Jesus. He reminds them of the sufficiency of Jesus. He exhorts them not to go backwards. Legalism, religious formalism, rules, regulations will not help you grow. That's what he says to them. That's what he says to us. Legalism, rules, regulations will not help you grow in your new covenant relationship with Jesus. It's not all the rituals and ceremonies or holy days or sacrifices that save you, but God through the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is how you are saved by faith. It's by grace through faith that you and I are saved. And now he says, you need to protect your relationship with the leaders that God has given you. That's important during difficult times. 
Guard the relationship that God has given to you with leaders he's put in your life. And we see that in verse 7. He says, remember those who rule over you. Or you also might have a little note that says lead you. And then when you jump to verse 17, he says, obey those who rule over you. Once again, the same word, lead. And then he says, again, the same word in verse 24, greet those who rule over you and lead. And there are those that God has placed in our lives to rule over us spiritually, to lead us in our relationship. You can mark that word rule and you could write to go before or to go on first or to lead. There are those that God has placed in our lives to lead us and oversee us. And a couple of things, if you're taking notes, that's important to understand as we begin on this journey, on our relationship with the leaders in our lives, a couple of things you need to understand. Number one, God chooses the leaders that he's put in your life. God chooses the spiritual leaders that he has put in your life. And I know that doesn't seem to fit our current culture and our current thinking today of all the different churches in town and all the choices that are before us, where you can visit this church and you can choose this church and you like this about that church. And you can now, again, you, with all the technology, you can say that someone is on, on the radio as your pastor. You can say someone on YouTube is your pastor, but that's not God's heart and will for you. Anyone that might teach you the Bible, you know, through electronics, through YouTube, is a teacher perhaps in your life, but God has a pastor and a leader that you're to submit to, and I'm submit to in my life, to be a part of a community of, a local community of believers. Not to go to this church and that church and this church and that church, and, but to stay in a fellowship family and to stay under the leadership, submitting to them. And living out your life, raising your family within a community of believers. God is the one that chooses the leaders. I know that we think we do, and certainly God gives us a lot of freedom in what to do, where to go, what to do, but God chooses the leaders. And we would do well to submit to his choice. Because here's the thing, God knows the men that need to be in your life, the, the women overseers that need to be in your life, he knows who you need that will shape you and mold you and make you into the man and woman that he wants you to be. He knows what you need. You and I, we think we know what we need, but God knows. And so the pastors in your life that speak the truth are there by the will of God. And his desire must be for the pastor leader, for you and your family, knowing that he's going to answer to God. I will answer to God for my leadership in this particular church. And that's a heavy thing to consider. James said, be careful those of you that want to be teachers because those that want to be teachers receive a stricter, heavier, higher level of judgment than others in the body of Christ. Number one, God chooses the leaders he's put in your life. Number two, when you read the word ruling, ruling does not imply or require blind submission. This idea of ruling over you does not imply or require blind submission. Let's be clear here. The idea of ruling over you is not an absolute authority in your life. I as a pastor do not have absolute authority in your life. I am an under shepherd. The absolute authority in your life is Jesus Christ in his word. 
And the best thing that I can do for you is to help you see the Word of God as it applies in your life, and then call you to submission to it, and call you to obedience alongside of it. That's the best thing a pastor can do in your life, a leader. No one has that absolute authority in your life. A a spiritual leader just, he can't tell you how to live your life. He he can't tell you who you can marry and who you can't, how you can dress. That's not leadership. That's not leadership. Jesus is the chief shepherd, and no one takes his place. So we as spiritual leaders, as under shepherds, we serve you with delegated authority. Delegated authority. So it's not our own authority. And perhaps some of you have a testimony, unfortunately, of being in a church. Uh, Many years ago, there was a movement known as the shepherding movement. It's still around to some degree where they had a very strict order of authority and that you couldn't do anything without getting the permission of your discipler and they got permission and God got permission and they got permission. That's not leadership. That's not the heart of Jesus at all. Jesus creates an environment of mutual cooperation, mutual submission, as we're learning in our midweek Bible studies. You want to look in your leaders and those that serve you in the pastoral realm, those that serve you in a lay leadership position, in the position of an elder or a deacon, you want to look for the heart of Jesus in those leaders. They aren't going to be perfect. Nobody's going to make every decision accurate or right. There will be mistakes, even in your pastors. I will make mistakes. I will get things wrong. But collectively in a relationship, in a relationship, we work those things out as unto the Lord. And you want to look for the heart of Jesus in those leaders, especially those who claim to be leaders, because in the church there are God's ordained leaders and there are people that claim to be leaders. And they take that authority upon themselves. No one can take the authority of spiritual leader upon himself or herself. No one. Now, now let me say, people try to do that. People walk around, they might want to get a little group over here and try some leadership and try to draw people after themselves, but that's not from the Lord. Anyone that's drawing you after themselves, any of you that is encouraging you to be divisive, any of you that is saying, oh, no, 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 I know what they say, but I'm, anyone that's going in that realm is not going to be a healthy decision for you to follow. And if you don't believe me, you'll end up making that decision and you'll get hurt. And then perhaps the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance this time and saying, look, God's put people in your life for a reason. Because there are sheep in the church, but there are also wolves in sheep's clothing. And there's a few wolves that are just outright wolves. They don't care. They'll come in with their big fangs and they, you know, they'll come in and they don't, they don't even tr- pretend because they want to do great damage to the body of Christ. Jot it down in Mark chapter 9, verse 34. Let me read it to you. This is the heart of Jesus. If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And then he took a child and set them in the midst, and he had taken them in his arms and said, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Matthew chapter 20, verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. So he's making a distinction here. He's saying, you know how the world is. Many of you work in the corporate world. Many of you work with bosses like this. They just love authority. And they love to hang authority over you. They don't want to motivate you. They don't want to lead you. They don't want to work alongside of you. They just want to tell you what to do. 
He says that's how the world does things. The world does things by, by flaunting authority, by, by absolute authority. He says that's how the world does it. And listen to what Jesus says. This is Matthew 20, um, reading on from 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. Listen. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. There's a phrase that we use of those in the church that try to control your life. Those are not true leaders. The phrase is this. They want to lord over your life. Don't allow anyone to lord over your life. Don't ever look to me and expect me to lord over your life. I can't tell you how many times there will be those that want me to make the decision for them. I won't make the decision for you, but I'll talk it out with you. I'll pray it out with you. I'll open the scriptures. I might even say, if I was in your shoes, this is how I would apply that. But I won't lord over you to say, this is how you do it. This is how a real Christian does it. Because God is doing a different work in all of our lives. And I'll steer you away from sin for sure. I mean, when the Bible is black and white, we will deal with it that way. Steer you away. But I will point you, and any real pastor and leader will point you to the Lord. They won't guilt trip you. They won't manipulate you. They won't lead you into a toxic relationship. They won't gaslight you. There's a lot of different things that men do in a position of authority that's not to be said among leaders in the church. And somebody listening to me right now, I'm describing your life, and you don't like it, you don't want to hear it, I'm just calling you to repent, because that is not the heart of God. Jesus didn't give that example, he didn't teach the disciples that example, and it hasn't been handed down to us now 2,000 years later. You want to be great in God's kingdom? Because I think that's all of us. Of course I want to be great. I I want all that God has for me. Then Jesus says, be the servant of all. Be the servant of all. God has ordained pastors and spiritual leaders to lead you and to oversee you, and to serve you, and to rule over us in a way that helps us grow in grace and be conformed to the image of Christ. Often a spiritual leader has to say something or do something that's difficult to hear or respond to. That's a hard place for a leader. That's why many people shy away from leadership, because many times it's my responsibility to say something very, very hard to you, very, very difficult. As one author put it, that a leader's responsibility often is to define reality for a person, is to paint the picture of what it is in reality so that in reality, it will shake you to the place where you seek the Lord and he gives you the leading and comfort that you desire or direction that you desire. So you don't lean on your own understanding. You will listen to those that God has placed in your life. Reality defined can often be very difficult and very challenging. And so there are three things mentioned here in chapter 13 that are responsibility to our leaders in our lives. There are three things we have a responsibility as fellow Christians, as believers, toward the leaders in our lives. And here's number one. It's in verse seven. Our spiritual leaders are to be remembered. 
Our spiritual leaders are to be remembered. He says, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, and that just covers all that we spoke about. A man that has faith following, his faith follows his leadership. He will not be authoritarian. He will not lord over you. Sometimes you might mistake that with hard, you know, maybe a leader said something hard and you feel like, oh, he's lording over me. Well, just check the scriptures. If whatever the Bible says, you should yield to it. Um, but there is a group of people, and I'm sure if I had, and I don't want you to, but if I asked for you a showing of hands of anyone that's had a leader lord over them, there would be many in this room because you know what that looks like and what that feels like, and it's just wrong. We're to remember those. We're to remember our pastors. We're to remember our leaders. We're to remember our Sunday school teachers. We're to remember our life group leaders. We're to remember those that have been put in our lives to teach us the word. Why? Because they've been used by God for good in your life. And you can thank God for them. One of the ways you remember them is you pray for them. You can remember them before the throne room of grace. And you thank God, even in and especially when you have to receive a hard word. It's like, I thank God that, he, that, that my pastor said this. I thank God that my pastor, and you remember them before the Lord. I think of when I was putting this together, and I've been in communication with Pastor Rudy this week, but I served many, many years in California with a man by the name of Pastor Rudy. He was the Sunday school or the children's ministry pastor. I served with him, and he spent the most amount of time pouring into my life. And I've been texting him this week. Even today, I said, you know what, Pastor Rudy? Your name's going to come up in the Bible study this weekend because I love this text. I always remember you and Pastor Jeff. Others are remembered as well, but those are the first two men that God placed in my life to speak the word of God to a young man that knew nothing about following God. Nothing. I knew nothing. I knew less than nothing. If there was a negative nothing, like they, sometimes the weather app shows, neg- I don't know the difference between zero and negative zero, but I was negative zero. I, I was below nothing. I, I was far away in my life. And every day I was living apart from Christ, I was getting farther and farther away. So from the pulpit, Pastor Jeff gave me the word, and then side by side serving with him, Pastor Rudy would then disciple me and help me along the way and have quite a few of those quote-unquote defining reality conversations with me. I needed them because I wanted them. Now, maybe it rubbed against my flesh. I didn't really like them at the moment, but I really to this day still want to be a better man of God. I want to do it better, and I want to do it in a way that is more conducive to the heart of Jesus. If there's an area in my flesh that needs to go away, I want to get rid of it in my life, and I'm thankful for them, because in the busyness of life, in the busyness of life, we have a tendency to forget our spiritual leaders. We forget them. How? Well, we forget to encourage them. We forget to strengthen them. We forget to pray for them. We forget to support them. We forget to serve with them. You know, when, in those times, not when you're sick, not when it's dangerous, but in those times when you're just kind of tired and, you know, you made a service commitment and now you have the choice, maybe I'll call out because I'm kind of tired. Maybe I can see. When you call out like that, not, not when you're sick, not, not when it's dangerous to drive and you want to be saved. I'm not talking about those real reasons, but like when you have the option and you can make the decision And when you call out, let's just say you call out like you call out at work. You call out, your spiritual leader still has to accomplish what you said you were going to do. Like the ministry goes on. 
Uh, like Sunday school teacher, if, like if you call out for Sunday school, you call out the resurrection coffee, you call out like, like serving out there, um, greeting people and encouraging one another, helping people, like the stuff still needs to get done. And so we forget that we made a commitment. And that happens. We forget that we made a commitment. And we want to remember that not only is the commitment unto the Lord, but that commitment is also to the spiritual leader that God put in our lives. And we want to remember that. We don't want to forget. Contextually in chapter, thir- in chapter 13, this could also speak to remembering those leaders that have come before us, that those that have died, those that have been martyred or even taken out by the enemy. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com if you'd like a replay or listen to Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor and download that today. Pastor Ed, October is right around the corner and that's been designated as Pastor Appreciation Month. So what are some ways we can show our appreciation or as Hebrews puts it, greet them? Well, Larry, October, I really do appreciate the effort and energy that goes into making October a very special day for the pastors of your church. Um, in, in our fellowship, we have many pastors, both on our team, uh, paid staff, and also lay leaders. And I'm always encouraged by the generosity and loving care of uh, men and women of our church and men and women connected to us through the ministry here that, that express appreciation. So here are things you can do. Uh, you can uh, get gift cards. Uh, you can give financial gifts. You can write a note. Uh, just a little note, you can send an email. Uh, you can go up after a service and ask your pastor if you can pray for them. Um, I don't want to minimize the tangible part of gifts uh, because you, giving a gift card where a pastor can take his family out to dinner or some special purchase of a book, uh, perhaps, or a study material, or or maybe you know your pastor likes candy or uh, something that you can do. And I would even... Uh, go so far to say is that you can ask your pastor what would really bless you and then be ready to either do that for them or donate toward that to them, like, you know, give them a gift uh, toward that endeavor. Um, But uh, verbally, financially, practically, it's good to express our appreciation. And I know that there have been some traditions where you go, well, you know, if we thank our pastor, we thank someone publicly, we'll steal their rewards. You won't steal their rewards. Uh, I think public appreciation is important. Uh, I know it can, we can go overboard sometimes, but why don't we try going overboard in love, grace, mercy, and appreciation? And if we do, the Holy Spirit will pull us back. Um, but let's step forward and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in expressing our love, in serving our pastors. And I, I appreciate my pastor. I just recently, uh, here, here's a great, I publicly expressed my appreciation for the 50 years, five zero years of ministry that my pastor has provi- has given to the Lord uh, throughout the years, the, his faithfulness. Uh, and, and, you know, because of his faithfulness, uh, the church that he oversaw being trusted by God is the church I walked into. So I got to teach. I mean, imagine this. I got to teach on the same platform uh, with my pastor uh, to think that years ago I walked in as a completely lost person and now fast forward 30 years and I'm sharing the pulpit 
with my pastor. And of course, over the years, I've also taught in that same pulpit, and I've served with my pastor many, many years, many, many different times. Um, but I publicly express that appreciation toward him and his wife, Karen, um, because I do. I love and appreciate them, and I love and appreciate you pastors that are listening in. Um, I love and appreciate I have a special heart for pastors and their families and their kids, and I say just go for it. Uh, we love and appreciate you. Uh, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you don't lose heart. Bless you guys. Thanks for those ideas, Pastor Ed. And we also have a book we'd like to get into your hands that can serve to help you win the battle of your mind. If you struggle with unhealthy thoughts or emotions, this is a must-read. In Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, author Louis Giglio draws from Psalm 24, and he offers insight on how to cancel the lies that will wreck your life. You'll learn to stop the spiral of shame, temptation, and insecurity, and restore peace and rest in your life. Again, that's Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, our featured resource right now at Abounding Grace. Request a copy when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. We're here to serve you at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also make your request online at calvaryco.store. And thank you for your generous support. Is your donation that allows us to bring the teaching of God's Word to this community and many others around the nation. To make a donation, visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Celebrating 20 years of God's faithfulness, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Come back next time when we'll return to our study of Hebrews. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 